1: Hey, I'm Molly, and I'm the host of the Did That Age Well podcast. Each week, my guests and I recap and review movies from the past, and we talk about how they hold up. I'm joined by comedians, writers, friends, and podcasters to talk about the cringeworthy to the timeless classics. We break them all down and share some laughs as we do it. So find us at milehighlife.com or follow Did That Age Well wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Hey everybody, it's Drew Goodman. Guess what? Like everybody else in America, I have a podcast. Actually, I've had it for four years. Download it at all of your favorite places you get podcasts. I have great guests. Guys like Ryan McMahon, Dan Issel, Hall of Famer-to-be Albert Puholtz, current Hall of Famer Larry Walker, Adam Schefter, and we kick around subjects locally, regionally, nationally. So download it and tell your friends. The Drew Goodman Podcast. Catchy
0: name. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. I'm here.
3: I'm here. I, I tell her my mother's here. My sister's here. My dog is here. My daughter's here. Both the, three of my sons are here. My other daughter comes at, during every home game. We're here. I get mailed here. I claim taxes here. I pay taxes here. I'm sorry.
4: <laughs> 40 and slip. He's made a lot of money for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Taxes that, or otherwise.
5: Yeah, his account his uh, hands full for sure. Deion Sanders speaking at his weekly press conference. The situation for uh, the Buffaloes, obviously they do have a, a potentially winnable game against Washington State. I think so. Let's address that elephant I in the room so. first. What happened is, and, and he referred to it directly, we didn't play the clip. Stephen A. Smith had to had to make a hot take because that's his job, right, over at ESPN, and suggested that Texas A&M should hire Deion Sanders, right, and and take him to find take find a way to take him away from Colorado. Uh, one that's as as that was Dion's argument. Even he even actually mentioned Smith by name and said, I, "I'm not paying attention to that." But let, let's keep this in mind. So just so you all know before we look at that ahead, if Sanders would leave Colorado before December 31st. Uh, the, the university would get uh, $15 million in a buyout. If it's after January 1st, it's $10 million in a buyout. Seeing as they are paying $76 million for Jimbo Fisher to go away, he still gets paid. Jimbo Fisher now has the greatest job in America. Absolutely. He does nothing, and
4: he gets $76 million. And I believe are I you read kidding? this correctly. There is no offset language. No. You can that go too. coach and make... Seventy-six million a year, and he, gets, and he still yeah, gets a $76 dollars in
5: a lump sum within sixty days, and gets checks through the twenty thirty-one season for the rest of it. What a deal! Wow, what a great, what a man, what a great job. But is that affordable? Yes. But Ross Bjork, the athletic director at Texas A&M, said he wants to have a Fisher's replacement on campus by next month because the early transfer portal is on the fourth of December. And the early signing period is on December 20th. Xanders is going to be coaching right up at least until that first day. But the other catch is this. His two sons, which you heard him point out very clearly in that clip, they had their one-year, one-time transfer to follow their father from Jackson State to Colorado. They can't do it again. If they wanted to transfer to AM, they have to sit out next year. You think Shadur Sanders and Shiloh Sanders, who both at this point are, I wouldn't say on NFL radars. The question is just how high will they be picked? You think they want Shadur for sure. Well, I think Shiloh's going to get drafted too. Oh, he'll get drafted, but Shadur is a first round pick. Uh, But you think he's going to sit out a year? Come (laughs) on. Are you crazy? He's not sitting out a year. And, and I don't of think Dion's going to go to A&M no. and, and leave his kids after one year and you after know they what? moved everything there. It's a- not a- going to happen. A&M,
4: A&M's kind of a graveyard. You know, it, 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 it isn't, isn't that pretty apparent?
5: I mean, they had to pay $76 million for the, to make the guy leave. The other funny part is,
4: here. here's the list of guys who are supposed to be saviors. Okay. At Texas A&M. I am Dennis intrigued. Franchione.
5: Oh, my. Okay. Mike Sherman. That's kind of a Kevin
4: bad. Sumlin. All who did better than Jimbo Fisher did. Right. Although Jimbo Fisher, using the lure of NIL money, built technically, in a recruiting sense, a juggernaut. He just couldn't coach that supposed juggernaut to success befitting... AM's expectations when they're paying him that kind of money. Uh, but they've tried this before at AM, three other times. And now it's four. And Deion Sanders is familiar with that history. I mean, he lived long enough in Texas uh, during those years to be familiar with the history. And in many ways, yeah, they pay well. That's a coaching graveyard, though. That's where coaches go to die. That's where their careers go to end. He's not leaving
5: after this year, and the truth of the matter is, let, let's let's zoom out on this a little bit because this has been something that I I get asked all the time. the The Buffaloes right now are not a traditionally, if you're planning on being a you know team that thinks you're going to be championship caliber, the Buffs aren't there yet under Deion Sanders. They're not. And as it stands right now, they're, they're four and six. They're going to have to win both the games to even be bowl eligible. The odds on that are very, very low. Uh, very likely. Even if they get this win, they're likely to finish five and seven. Right. That's the reality. And for the Buffaloes, who, Sandy, you pointed out earlier, the worst team in FBS football last year, this is a massive improvement. So it's not as if Sanders hasn't Improved the program substantially on field and off it. He listen, has, and there's
4: only one game that Dion Sanders has lost this year that he was supposed to win. That was Stanford, and they were up 29 nothing at the yep. half. And historically But you're right. Otherwise, collapsed. it's. But otherwise, he lost to teams they otherwise should have been Teams that are inferior, and he's lost to teams that are superior. That's it. That's the.
5: But sure. the Buffaloes weren't even doing that. They were losing by 20-plus multiple times. So, I mean, things are on track. But I, there's a couple reasons why, and I get it, because the the Deion Sanders, the Coach Prime thing is exciting, and I get why people wanted to continue. So everyone's worried it's going to go away. But there's a reason it's not, okay? If you want to talk to Deion Sanders, it's not like a normal head coaching situation, right, where even Jimbo Fisher making all that money to not coach. You'd usually reach out to the athletic department and, you know, try to organize something. What the Buffs agreed to when they brought in Deion Sanders is that Deion Sanders kind of handles Deion Sanders. Y- you wanna you wanna get with talk to Sanders and you have an interview? Well, get with his people. That's all handled internally. There is the idea of everything's getting filmed, everything's part of a social media thing. The the programs that are traditionally successful if you're the, the Georgias and the Ohio States and the Michigans and even his alma mater, the Florida States, or one of his alma maters, as he, he pointed out as well. But, but you look at that caliber of these top 25 teams that are regular top 25 teams, they don't need Deion Sanders. They don't need all the other things that come with Deion Sanders. That's not an asset to them It is not an asset at some of these bigger schools to upset the way they run things and totally throw it out the window so Deion Sanders and his crew can reinvent it. For Colorado, it was worthwhile. But there are very few programs better than Colorado that would want to do that because they're better. So what Deion Sanders has done and how it fits needed to fit with a specific program at a specific time. There were two programs in the Power Five that were apparently interested enough to make actual offers that were considered, the University of Cincinnati and the University of Colorado. Colorado met all of Sanders' needs, including wanted a significantly larger than average assistant coaching pool. Colorado met that. Colorado basically said, hey, run the show however you want to run the show. That's fine. You want your own social media to run it? Okay, that's fine. There aren't that many schools who wanted to do that. You needed to be pretty desperate for that. And the schools that are better aren't that desperate. Sanders also, as he pointed out, has his kids here. They can't move again like that. The other trick is, how is Sanders going to look if in your first season, after turning Colorado, which, by the way, I get it, they're probably going to finish with losing record. Maybe they can get to 500 if everything goes great. Okay, maybe so. Let's say best case, 500 in a bowl. Regardless, it has not made Colorado less hot. It is still a hot spot. People are still paying attention to Colorado every week. But if Sanders bails after doing this after one year and can't bring his Louie with him again, which he can't, not only does his reputation take a monumental hit because you look like you just bailed on a bunch of kids, potentially depending on your perspective, again, and he didn't even have a winning record? Folks, he can't go anywhere. He can't go anywhere. He's not going to be in a coach in the NFL, and he knows it because that's not his style. He's not really coaching on game day. He does kind of what Nick Saban does it's general directions, it's work the refs. Yeah. It's me in the halftime, and I'm yeah. not making the direct comparison. Yeah. I'm no, about no, style. I, I, I saw I you immediately, Sandy, like sat up like a snake. No. Pit.
4: no, now, I, I get it. I, I'm I know not making what you're the direct saying. comparison. I know what you're saying, though.
5: But that's not an NFL style. So he's not going to the NFL. He's not going to a top 25 program. No, Certainly not anytime no. soon, and maybe not at all. And if in that span of time at Colorado, he turns them into a top 25 program, then he's the one who brought it back from the
4: dead well, there's no better place listen, to be. Th- th- there's no incentive for him to go when you start 3-0. and And that's when, you know, maybe you, you thought about the possibility, wow, if he turned it around in one year, it's the one great year, and then you better get out at CU. Yeah. Theory. Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker didn't even have a good year. He said when he got the job, he told friends, give me one good year and I'm gone. Yeah. Because that was McIntyre's mistake. He said that to friends. McIntyre's mistake was not in leaving after 2016 when he was a hot coaching candidate at some big-time schools, Mm -hmm. some Power 5 schools. Uh, He didn't. He stayed. Good for him, I think. But, you know, he ends up getting fired. Uh, Dan Hawkins could have left after a decent year. Not a great year, but a decent year. He didn't do it. Stayed. He gets fired uh Embry of course never had a good year and then it was McIntyre after that um you know uh, as we think back on it I wonder if Gary Barnett thinks back on it this way he had a great year in 2001 probably should have left after 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 that because some of the bad things started to take place up in Boulder after that that uh uh, led uh, very indirectly in my view Gary Barnett got fired the reason most coaches get fired he didn't win enough games and he got off to a good start in his last year in 2005, then they collapsed, and the contract he thought he had wasn't there anymore, and that, that's a story for another day. Actually, it's a story we told uh, several times before. But that was the only time I even gave the slightest consideration to the idea that he might leave. And once they start losing, I mean, for, for reasons pertaining to ego alone, <laughs> he's not going to leave. After five and seven or four and eight, no. When you started three and zero, he, he he's going to be determined to come back next year, and I think he's reflected that this year in yep. some respects. This week, this week, this week in particular, that immediately after you, know, you got to play the long game a little bit here too. We weren't never a finished product. We were never a finished product, even when we were three and zero. There were cracks in the facade, um, papered over by the winning. But as soon as they started to lose, you you could see the cracks becoming crevices and chasms and uh, things that weren't fixable. I mean, he he can't go
5: ask for everything he asked for at another school right now. Because the only thing you would be sure to get is attention. The the truth is, right now, the recruiting for Colorado's 2025 class looks quite a bit better than the 2024 class. Yeah, absolutely. It, it just becomes very difficult, I think, if you're Deion Sanders, to sell yourself to a new university yeah. that's better than Colorado. And Colorado has given you yeah. everything he wants. And the funny thing is we talked about it with with Justin Adams last week. This season has really been a massive success for the Colorado Buffaloes. The only person who's kind of indicated that it isn't is the head coach. Yes. And if he had been able to kind of zoom back, zoom out a little bit and realize he was playing the long game, a month or a month and a half ago, the perception surrounding this program would be very different. If you would have just stuck with we coming instead of we here. Yeah,
4: well, yeah, even we kinda of, that that could have been lost. <laughs> and he could have he could have said, Hey, we're we're definitely on the right track. But, but we're it, not a finished product. We're not finished yet. We've only been here for nine months, ten months. However he wanted to phrase it at whatever particular time, that's all he had to say. And I think now he's beginning to say those things, and maybe in that sense he was about three weeks to a month behind Sean Payton, who I think began to realize Mm -hmm. that glory was not going to come splashing down on the Broncos in 2023, but you could play the long game, maybe salvage something from this year, And as I said uh, last week, I think second place in the AFC West is an attainable goal. It is worthwhile. It won't put them in the playoffs. It won't put them in the playoffs. I think there's a good chance all four teams in the AFC North will still make the playoffs. And that includes Cincinnati in last place at the present time. But the Broncos in this division have a shot at finishing second and setting the foundation for better things in 2024. And I think that's how Deion Sanders feels now. And Washington state, I I said this last week before the Arizona game, even though it's a road game late on a Friday night, I think of the three games I said last week, Washington state's the most winnable. And I still feel that way. I, I'm kind of leaning toward picking them to win the game, not just picking them with the points. Picking them to win the game. It would be
5: a, a a very important win. Not only would it you know keep the chances of everything uh, alive on a bowl, but I mean that would make the finale. Uh, that's, that's a lot in line and an opportunity to really step up. Also, keep Washington in mind, Washington State is not better than Colorado right now. Not right now. Not right now. Uh, Shadur Sanders, in that game, uh, health permitting, should set the new single season record for the Buffaloes in passing. He is. At this point, only uh, 56 yards behind Sefo Lufau's uh, 3,200 yards in 2014. Uh, the touchdowns in a single season as well. He is in a, in a position to break that two where he's already thrown for 26. 28 is the record for Lufau in that 2014 season. So uh, on on the precipice of setting some big-time program records as well. So something to look forward to this weekend. We'll find out. They play on Friday night against Washington State. Thought they were late starts before. How about this one? 8.30 kickoff. Can't start any later than That's that. That's as late as it goes on FS1, another national game for the Buffaloes. As yeah. I said, they stay hot. They are interesting and they keep it that way. The Colorado Avalanche will be back in action. We'll take a peek at the Abs before they play the Ducks tonight and then we'll have an opportunity to debut something a little new for you. We'll explain it next on My Life Sports.
1: hey i'm molly and i'm the host of the did that age well podcast each week my guests and i recap and review movies from the past and we talk about how they hold up i'm joined by comedians writers friends and podcasters to talk about the cringeworthy to the timeless classics we break them all down and share some laughs as we do it so find us at milehighlife.com or follow did that age well wherever you get your podcasts
0: Sandy Cough and Sean Trotar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy.
4: Thames will find McKinnon. Nate to Thames. One-timer deflected. Save. Score! Ross Colton, it's a power play goal. The F strike painter to take a 2-1 lead on Colton's fourth of the season. That's what they had to do.
5: You hear in there the uh, understated voice of our friend Mark Mosher over at altitude. Rod, that was an important goal for a couple well, reasons. Well, it, it
4: was a big goal because, one, it was the go-ahead goal to make it 2-1 to one in Seattle the other night. And the other reason was that it was the second power play unit scoring right. the goal. Not the top guys. And how about this? When the Avs
5: have scored a power play goal, which has not always happened, but when it has... They have yet to lose.
4: And they are 4-5 and five when they fail to score on the power play. Uh, so you want to Their look power for a stat? Their power play stack. has been substandard this year. It, it has was been. was better the other night. There's no reason it should be substandard with the talent you've got in particular, McKinnon, Ratner, who's been great in every way, five on five on the power play. And, of course, McCarr at the point. Uh, you know, listen, you, you, you can't help but be pretty good. And I'm talking about twenty to twenty-five percent. I'm not talking about thirty percent good. Um, I'm talking twenty to twenty-five percent, and they were way below that. And they've been a big power play slump. That was. I know they lost by wide margin. Boy, when they lose, they lose this year, don't they? Uh, they but do. The the power plays ineffectiveness had a psychological effect on them, I believe. The, the bright side is that can
5: turn itself around. And it, it, can, oh, sure. turn it around. can turn itself around. It can turn on a dime. Right. It can happen right now. They will take on the Ducks tonight at a Ball Arena. That will be a 7 p.m. face-off. So we'll pay attention to that. That time's hot. As well. And and, uh, and I got I to gotta ask. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm, I was a bit spinning in my head the whole show. Okay, Danny, what was it? Was, was it like a ladies' night here on a Wednesday with the vote, with the with the music? I know. Yeah, the, Woman Crush Wednesday. Okay, okay, there we yep. go. I, I, was like, a, I was like, there's some female I was like, there's a pattern, and if I don't know what it is, it's going to make me nuts. So I had to ask Danny what was going on there because uh, he's not back there doing random things. He's he's got, he's it's he's an artiste back there. And, and, and I, that's the one way to put it. Sometimes, you know, I want to understand the process so, yeah. I, so I could be uh, be better at it. Yeah. Well, we have an opportunity here to debut something that we, we I think, the, quite frankly, listeners have kind of been clamoring for. Because ever since we've had Dr. Rick Perea on on Mondays, uh, there's been the idea of expanding that and doing a little bit more. Well, that's what we're doing on uh, Wednesdays, we have a new program called Wellness Wednesdays to you get your checkup from the neck up with Dr. Rick Priya and Sandy Clough. And uh, we'll debut that uh, in just a few minutes here. But we want to give us a little bit of a tease of what the first yeah. one's about.
4: Uh, and we'll be talking with uh, Jerry Knaffel, who is the uh, head basketball coach at Rapo High School for the girls. Sensational program. And uh, equally remarkable program uh, for Jess Caldwell at. Baller Christian High School, they're putting on a charity game Saturday afternoon, early Saturday evening at Arapahoe High School. Um, doors open at 4 o'clock. Uh, basically, it's a charity game, actually two charity games, uh, two other high schools also involved. And it is uh, designed to raise funds for suicide prevention, uh, a cause close to my heart and uh, close to the heart's of uh, Rick Perea and the two coaches we'll be hearing from momentarily.
5: And, of course, you get a lot of information there when you hear Sandy and Dr. Rick talk about uh, things that you can also use in your daily life no, as well. No. So looking forward to hearing this. Uh, myself, Wellness Wednesdays. Thanks to Danny Bailey in the booth. Thanks to you for interacting. 303 uh, 831 That call or text number. Thanks to everyone who reached out. Well... It's time for us to step aside for the new program. Or at least me step aside, because Sandy Club and Wellness Wednesdays are coming up next on Miley Sports.
1: Hey, I'm Molly, and I'm the host of the Did That Age Well podcast. Each week, my guests and I recap and review movies from the past, and we talk about how they hold up. I'm joined by comedians, writers, friends, and podcasters to talk about the cringeworthy to the timeless classics. We break them all down and share some laughs as we do it. So find us at milehighlife.com or follow Did That Age Well wherever you get your podcasts.
4: And good afternoon, everyone. I'm Sandy Clough, and we welcome you to our first installment of Wellness Wednesday. with Dr. Rick Perea, the noted performance psychologist here on Mile High Sports. We will be appearing every Wednesday at this particular time, and this show will also be available via podcast at Mile High Sports. Dot com. Again, I'm Sandy Clough, joined by Dr. Rick Paria yes, sir, to my left, and uh, we are bringing back for a return engagement Jerry Knafel, the girls basketball coach at Arapahoe High School, and Jess Caldwell from Valor High School. Uh, the two programs will be collaborating uh, in a uh, fundraising charity game this coming Saturday, which I believe falls on the 18th of November if I am not mistaken. And uh, Dr. Perea, will let you uh, carry it from here as to yeah. the time and place, and we'll let the two coaches talk yep. about what their plans are for Saturday as two of the best girls' basketball teams in the state get together,
3: Arapo High School and yeah. Christian. We may be looking at uh, the final preview here. I, I don't Could don't be. Any predictions. Could and, be. Yes, two of the very top teams in the state. That's not necessarily the most important thing we're going to talk about today. Today we're going to talk about you guys have put together this fundraising game um, with Valor High School and Arapahoe High School. And it's at Arapahoe High School at what time? Games start at five
6: with uh, Range View and Thunder Ridge, but doors open at four. We have silent auction items and a uh, great contributions to help us raise even more money for this.
3: Yeah, class. so people can get there. Little before four o'clock, there's a silent auction, there's a couple games. Um, but I want you guys to talk about why you developed this game. I think the cause is so powerful. You know, mental health has become fer- front and foremost, you know, ever since COVID, but we're now beginning to realize in athletic performance, and me as a psychologist who work in a multitude, major league baseball, NBA, and NFL how important mental health is and especially for adolescents and you guys coach adolescents and i got to tell you you know this is really the funnest level that i've ever worked at it really is to work with high school athletes they're so eager they're so thirsty but i'll start with you jessica tell us a little bit about what your what your role is in this in this game and why you are a participant because i think it's very altruistic that you guys are doing this and i want the people to know what the game entails.
7: Well, last year, Coach approached me, um, to participate in our first foundation game. This is something that Arapahoe and Regis had done a couple of years before, and then with COVID took a little bit of a pause. Um, but he and I have a great, strong relationship as coaching friends and, and foes a little bit at times when we compete against <laughs> each other. Um, and he reached out to me because he heard that in our Valor Christian community, um, that we had one of our teachers, um, in September of the previous year, um, take her own life. Mm-hmm. And it was really mm-hmm. impactful. Um, w- within our community um, and then knowing their story as well we thought hey we, we share some th- same things yeah. how can we part- partner together um, and really bring beauty from a really dark place okay. and so last year we formed together and did our first foundation game um, and supported brought to reality um, and we are so thankful for Rick and Rhea Bales for their opportunity for us to be able to support them and their foundation and the way That they pursue um, bringing counseling to um, students all over the state of Colorado. Um, They pair students up with some particular counselors that would work best with their needs. And um, it's a really unique foundation and one that's really close to home for them.
3: Tell the listeners and watch who you're talking about Rick and Will.
6: Oh, Will, Will, sorry. And Maria
3: Bales. Will and Maria Bales. Who are they? So, Will and Maria
6: Bales are the parents of Nick Bales, who started VTR as a freshman in high school Mm -hmm. i believe and um he struggled with mental health Mm -hmm. and he had this clothing line and um btr is a symbol on it and there's professional athletes now that wear that that clothing line um and yet Mm -hmm. mental health got the best of him and he took his own life and um Will and Maria and attended
3: Arapahoe he, High Ra- School. He
6: attended Arapaho High School, and had gone to parochial School with a lot of the Regis kids. So five years ago, when we started this up, that that was kind of our rallying cry between him and another young lady that had uh, also committed suicide the same week uh, at Arapaho that um, had also gone to Prokio. Was it school. like two days later? Yeah, it was within the same week. Yeah, I maybe mean, two or three days later. And so uh, Will and Maria continued. <laughs> Uh, carrying the mantra for Nick and um, now they're a nonprofit and they help kids the way we want
3: to help kids so let me ask you this coach Um, I've been around you I work with your program why is it so important for you to do this I mean you know not everybody does this I mean this is very like I said altruistic why is it important to you
6: I, I just think you know sometimes you find the path and sometimes the path finds you and this path found me, and I, I, it just invigorated me, and I see that I can help kids beyond my community even. And um, that's important to me. Um, I, there's you know, kids that struggle, and um, you can't see them. You, you know that, that mental health is a difficult diagnosis to, to find in kids with broken arms and stuff like that. You can see a broken arm. You can see a kid that had an ACL surgery and you know that they're going to struggle a little bit. But um, kids that are struggling with mental health, that's different. And, and we need to open up and talk about it. It's, it's its an illness just like, you know, everybody will talk about diabetes and cancer and that kind of stuff, but nobody wants to talk about this. And that's wrong.
4: We got to fix that. And, if and we th- fix- this really is an awareness issue. Yeah, absolutely.
6: Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and getting rid of the stigma. So our yeah. our night is mm-hmm. called Slam the Stigma, and uh, we, we hope to get people from all communities, not just the Aurora community with Rangeview or the Highlands Ranch community with Valoran and Thunder Ridge or our community in Littleton, but everybody. If you're passionate about this and you think it's an important cause,
4: come and help out. Come and be part of what we do. Jess, uh, most everyone now has been touched, whether they know it or not, by mental health issues in their own lives. Either they've experienced it or someone they know has experienced it. Uh, Do you find since you began this engagement with uh, Coach Knafel that your own awareness is heightened in dealing with your own team? And uh, Coach, I'll ask you the same question, but I'll let Jess go first.
7: Absolutely. I think especially uh, after um, our heartbreak at our own high school and Watching a fellow teacher and a mom and looking at that and I'm like I'm a teacher and and I'm a mom that that you're not um it's something that is, is close, like you mentioned, it's close by, um, and not only did it affect me and losing that relationship and watching our student athletes struggle with losing that relationship, um, but recognizing those holes in my own heart of like, man, I need to make sure that I put myself in a position where I ask for help. And I think that's the biggest thing for me is to continue to say, you know what, even as adults, that we can say, yeah, we need help sometimes. Yeah.
3: Yes, absolutely. It's it's okay to not be okay.
6: Yeah, and, and I agree. It's, it's certainly heightened my, you know, sensitivity to it, and, and not just with my players. I mean, I'll, I'll, if I see a player comes in the gym and their head's down, you know, hey, what's up, how you doing, man, let's get going, and I'll engage them. But other kids walk through our gym before our practice, and I dap them up, and it's kind of the same kids, and I don't know them. I mean, I know them because they're walking through our gym. I'm like, hey, what are you doing today? You know, and um, they need that. That's important. I need to be connected to more than just my players. This is this is a platform that Jess and I are blessed to have. And we should do as much with it as we can to help young people.
4: Yeah. People experiencing these issues won't reach out. You almost have to reach out to them. And and even at that point, it's sometimes a challenge to get them to mm-hmm. acknowledge that they're struggling. I remember when I was in high school, the last thing you wanted to admit to was any kind of weakness. Yeah. Uh, metal more than physical, actually. Yeah. Physical weaknesses were sometimes kind of self-evident. <laughs> <at> <laughs> gym every day, for example, <laughs> but struggles with your everyday life, your school life, you wanted to conceal those. Yeah. That was the tendency. Yeah. And
6: and so it just makes you more aware of that. And there's a few kids now that come through my gym. I mean, I've actually bumped into school during the day and uh I walk and all of a sudden the same kid that walked through the gym yesterday that we I was talking to. Hey, how you doing today, man? What what are you here for? You know, and, and I'm talking to him. And um he's not in my program. I mean, it's yeah. just somebody that's mm-hmm. he's impacting me.
4: Do your players uh, Coach Caldwell realize the importance of what they're doing and treat this, even though it's an exhibition, it doesn't count in standings or anything like that.
7: Yeah. They treat
4: this in a special way.
7: I Yes, they do. And I think the joy comes more with the opportunity to partner together not only with a team that we're really close to, but two other teams in our community right. and say, hey, like, yes, we're going to probably compete against you in the state tournament. And we actually have Range View on our schedule this season. We have Arapahoe on our schedule this season. So we're going to compete in the regular season. Um, but to say, hey, this is m- really important. And so we're going to do this first and we're going to do this together. And on Saturday, prior to our games, we're going to all meet together for a meal um, and share a meal together and listen to the wisdom and the story of Maria and um, the ways in which then our girls can take that out and say, you know what? Like, yes, we're gonna compete like crazy, but we can also share in, we have basketball in common and now we have this in common. So now we have something to kind of further the message with.
4: And Jerry, I assume your girls feel the same.
6: Oh, 100%. And uh, what I also hope is that the, the love that exists between our programs uh, is going to just spread quickly to Thunder Ridge and range you, and that's going to continue in a matrix to just, uh, spread to other teams and other programs and other communities. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's the hope. That's the plan.
4: Well, we're, we're very excited about it. And I know with, uh, the success, up in Boulder with the CU women's basketball program. Yeah. I believe this week ranked fifth in the country. And one had of her players is the thing funny thing. national champions. And one of your players, uh, coach, just let you both reflect on that and the overall visibility that is given to girls basketball. Uh, not just on the collegiate yeah. level, but now on the high school level too.
7: Yeah, I'm so excited for Kendall. I got to go up and watch her practice a couple of weeks before they played LSU, and LSU's head coach happened to be my college coach, Kim Mulkey. Um, and so it was really fun to like sit back and watch on TV. And I was like, "Wow, there's my there's my <laughs> former point guard, and there's my college coach." And um, I was so thrilled for for not only Kindle, but Colorado as well, and just continuing to um, bring a name of, man, we have really amazing and talented girls basketball players in and through the state of Colorado, and we want to keep them here as well, um, and continue to say, yeah, this this is a state to look at, um, and I'm so excited for, for their journey.
6: Yeah, and kudos to JR and Toriano yes. and their staff and all their players. Uh, they, best they, coach they,
4: on campus. <laughs> <maybe ever
6: before>. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> uh, yeah, could be. And and uh just good human beings. Mm-hmm. And um I think that's why they have a, a better, you know, maybe their best team, because they've surrounded themselves with those kind of players. And um I'm planning to go up in the next couple of weeks and watch some practices and they're they're more than they're so accommodating to allow us to do that. But um yeah, great for them, great for women's mm-hmm. basketball, girls basketball in the state of Colorado. Um, it's
4: all good.
3: Well said, you know, I want to say something to your point about how we keep some of our feelings, you know, bottled up, suppressed inside of us. The other night I spoke to the parents, um, for the girls team and I spoke to the boys team and I told the boys, I said, if there's any of you ever need anything from me and I gave them each my card with my personal cell phone number. And I said, if you guys ever need anything, just hit me up. You know if you just need to ask a question or talk or whatever i got three calls that night sandy that night from players that reached out to me and we always say this in psychology for every three people that reach out there's another three that are thinking about it mm-hmm. so we've really got this is a great cause it's this saturday the 18th i just i have so much respect for these coaches sandy and i think they're doing a great job and you're adding those other two teams i just can't say enough about what you guys are doing and you know maybe this spreads i don't know maybe this is just the seed maybe this is just the beginning because mental health and the awareness of it is so important because we call it the neck down and the neck up and everyone trains the neck down and so very few people train the neck up so thanks guys we look forward to seeing you there Coach and you're going to come by you're going to come by. You're <laughs> going to say a by. few words, right? Yes. I'm going to speak a little bit. You're going to say a yeah. few words, Not and, few and words. it's
6: going to be great. So.
7: All
6: right. Thank all right. Coaches. It's 10 Saturday Saturday's going to be exciting. Don't miss the fourth quarter.
7: And oh. check out oh. <laughs> check out BTR Clothing for right. um, updates on Instagram, um, and it'll give you kind of all the insider information on what's happening that evening.
4: Very good. Right. Thank, you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. To Thanks, Coach. Thank you both. And uh, we will continue with Dr. Rick Perea momentarily, but uh, first we're going to talk about, yes, uh, one of the foremost performance psychologists in the country. I've known Dr. Rick Perea for almost 11 years now, more than a decade. I can tell you he's the best in the business. On Wellness Wednesday, you get your checkup from the neck up from Dr. Perea here on Mile High Sports. And Rick is the former psychologist, as. Many of you know by now the world champion Denver Broncos. He worked with the Broncos back in their championship season of 2015. Colorado Rockies, the world champion Denver Nuggets. Dr. P has also helped, as he has indicated, middle and high school performers to reach peak levels. So whether you're an everyday performer at work or at play or even at school, as we just discussed, call Dr. P today at 720-287-0933. That's 720-287-0933. Three or look them up at Dr P at think one for you. That's the number for thinkoneforyu dot org. That's Dr P at thinkoneforu dot org. He's improved my mental health and he'll do the same thing for you. Um, fascinating developments this week Dr. Perea, on the Denver sports scene. We'll start off with the Broncos who uh, backed up their win uh, prior to the bye week in week nine of the National Football League season against the Kansas City Chiefs, a win that broke a 16-game losing streak. And the Broncos are starting to break losing streaks uh, now on a regular basis. They had lost seven Monday night football games in a row, going all the way back to Vance Joseph's debut game on Monday night football, his first game as head coach of the Broncos back in 2017, his first game ever as a head coach. Uh, that counted in the regular season. He had won all the preseason games that year. They were still playing four preseason games, and the Broncos beat the Chargers when Philip Rivers was at quarterback uh, for the uh, Los Angeles Chargers on that occasion in 2017. And Trevor Simeon was the Denver Broncos quarterback uh, that night. They had lost seven straight Monday night games since, but that streak is no longer in existence as they went into Buffalo and won 24-22. And I'm wondering, as you watch that game, Dr. Perea, if you thought, uh, as I did, that it was a game one from the neck up more than from the neck down.
3: Absolutely, 100%, because, you know, Denver, I tell people this all the time, neck down doesn't really change that much. People stay the same height, the same weight, same quickness, same athleticism they bring that. What changes is the mindset. And mindset really influences, you know, neck up influences neck down. And what I saw on, on Monday night was a more composed team. You know, defensively, they've been playing better the last few weeks. But on offense, I saw a Russell Wilson that was walking with more strength and conviction, scrambling with more mm-hmm. strength and conviction. When he took off, he took off. Mm-hmm. In the, in the past, last year and even parts of earlier this year, he didn't do that. He seemed conflicted. He about seemed very it. conflicted. And the neck up and the neck down are, are all – I have to remind people, the brain, brainstem, spinal cord, central nervous system, autonomic nervous system, they're all connected. And so the way you think will influence the way you behave, and your behavior is the performance on the field. So I think on, on Monday night, they were a more convicted team. They were a more regulated team from the neck up. And that enabled them to stay in it and then take a lead and then withstand that comeback from from a pretty good Buffalo team. Although Buffalo didn't play as well, and they got some things going on on their side of the, of the neck of the woods too. And and McDermott, I know him well. I've, I've, I've worked with him for years, and uh, he actually tried to get me up there when I was in Miami. But they'll get that straightened out. But for right now, Denver looks better from the neck up, and that's the difference. I'm not sure what – if people have just settled into their roles and are accepting their roles better. But for sure, I can tell when you watch a team that's composed, you can see it because I can tell you in the first half, Buffalo looked like they were a mess. And that's from the neck up. I mean, even special teams, you could see they just weren't running out to the whistle, and that all starts in the brain. You know, whooping somebody at the line of scrimmage does not start with your glutes, does not start with your hamstrings. It starts from the neck up. You've got to decide to whip someone's butt before you can actually do it. Sure, you've got to have the physical elements, the neck down, but you've got to make up your mind, and that's a complete mindset that you can shape every day. We have a saying to say, shape your thoughts, or else your thoughts will shape you. I thought when
4: Buffalo fumbled on the first play of the game, it had effects that were mainly intangible. Uh, The Broncos get the ball. They only get a field goal out of it. But to me, it almost didn't matter because as a result, uh, the running back who fumbled, Cook, was benched for the next three series. I always wonder about that. Uh, And the guy, of course, came back in and ran like a madman for the rest of the game. Twelve carries 109 yards, but he was missing during those three series. So those are three series in which uh, uh, Buffalo continued to struggle with mistakes and turnovers. And uh, now that you brought it up, when they cut away to tight shots of the two quarterbacks, Mm. Josh Allen of Buffalo looked like Russell Wilson looked last year. Right. And for part of this year. Yeah. Kind of in a daze. And Russell Wilson looked like Josh Allen from previous years. Yeah. Utterly confident. Although 29 passes for 193 yards doesn't look like much statistically, he was the far more composed,
3: confident leader, right. from what I could tell, Sure. on Monday night. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of people don't realize you can tell what some, how someone feels from the neck up by their neck down body language, mm-hmm. by the way they carry themselves, the way they walk. You know, when we go to the combine every year and we evaluate talent, that's one of the things we do at night. We bring them in to interview them and we we watch them. We videotape it, how they communicate. Do they make eye contact? Do they lack eye contact? Your nonverbal communication skill w- will tell you more about a person than what comes out of their mouth because what comes out of their mouth can be a complete fabrication or a lie, but they can't fake the nonverbals. And we see it on a football field. I can go in and watch a quarterback's eyes and I can tell you how they think about their, their play call, like even before they snap the ball. You know, If the, I tell Mike linebackers, I said, look at that guy in his eyes. He'll tell you if he believes in that play. He'll tell you where he's going. So nonverbal communication is so much more reliable than verbal communication. What about the relationship between Peyton and
4: Wilson, which has been the subject of much conversation this year? Again, on Monday night, from the way it looked, obviously we can't hear what they're saying. Right back and forth, but from the way it looked, there was more of a collaboration between the two. And again, I'm not judging this by what was said after the game, because when it's Russell Wilson, it's always going to be sunshine and (laughs) strawberries. It's always going to be positive. But during the game, there seemed to be a connection between the two that I hadn't seen before. And we've talked about this issue. Vance Joseph was the most composed coach. In the stadium on yeah. Monday night, yeah, the it's, defensive coordinator for the Broncos, whose defense I'm hearing now is being labeled not the Vic Fangio defense or the EJ Evero defense from last year, it's the Vance Joseph defense.
3: Yeah, and it's ironic again that you know you see so much collaboration and cooperation between the head coach and the quarterback and it's like what came first the chicken or the egg right what came first the success and then they sit settle down or did they learn how to settle down and regulate themselves and then the success came i would like to think that they learn how to regulate themselves and then the success comes that's what we do in the nfl sandys we help quarterbacks we help coaches regulate to get on the parasympathetic side of their autonomic which is the calm side so they can perform to their potential There's a whole science to this. There's a whole science to mental preparation, to the mental side of the game. The unfortunate part is there's only about six teams in the NFL that really understand it and use it to their advantage. The other teams um, will will hire a psychologist and say, oh, we'll just help our guys that are struggling. There's a whole world of what we call performance psychology that really preps people proactively to be in the best mindset they can be naming the parasympathetic side of that um, autonomic so they can perform at their peak levels. Sean Payton could have fired Vance Joseph after
4: the 70-point
3: game. Many thought Manhattan,
4: he would. And many expected that he would the following day, yeah. if not right after the game, Ron right. the and his right. coaches have been fired, <laughs> uh, allegedly. I think some of that is exaggerated. But in any case, Sean McDermott did make the decision mm. to fire his offensive coordinator. Mm. And again, on the surface, that would seem silly since the offense averaged over seven yards of play on Monday night. Uh, the coach wasn't calling plays that were designed to result in turnovers. They dropped four passes in the right. game. The Broncos didn't drop any and, in fact, made at least one fantastic catch that, according to next gen stats, had about a 3.5% chance of being complete. And that was a touchdown pass in the first half to. Cortland Sutton from Russell Wilson yep. on fourth down, amazing throw and an even more spectacular catch. I- explain to me why it seems that Sean Payton got it right mm-hmm. in keeping Vance Joseph, Yeah, even after a game that could have been construed as a fireable yeah. <laughs> offense, sure, uh, giving up sure. 70 points or your team giving up 70. And, why Sean McDermott chose to fire Ken Dorsey when their offense in terms of efficiency is third in the league. Their defense is 21st, although played well Monday. The special teams are 22nd. And it was the special teams that had 12 men on the field at the end of the game and deprived Buffalo of the win.
3: Yeah, here's where ownership and leadership in the front office come in, Sandy. Sometimes the decision, and I'll put that in quotation marks, the decision is made by the higher-ups i think denver has given sean payton a great deal of autonomy yes the, the ownership the leadership group has given him a great deal of autonomy to make decisions or not make decisions whereas in buffalo i think it's the opposite i think he fired a coach to really placate ownership and front office interesting. so i think it you know the ownership and front office make a difference in the way people make decisions because i can tell you, you're right i mean for all intents and purposes vance should have been gone and you know what? this is really a cool story shaping up i know vj really well and i really pulled for him this could end up being a really cool story because you know sean stood by him but up in buffalo there's a different leadership group up there and they got the strings different hierarchy they got their strings and and you know McDermott, for all intents and purposes, may have just been acting that out, what he was told. Wellness Wednesday. Wellness Net-up Wednesday. From
4: the Net Yes, sir. Thank
3: you, Dr. Perea.
4: We'll do this again next week.
3: Thank you, Sandy. Every week at 5.30, every
4: Wednesday, right here on Mile High Sports. I'm Sandy Clough for Dr. Rick Perea. Our thanks to Jerry Canafel, the girls' basketball coach at Arapahoe High School, and Jess Caldwell, the girls' head basketball coach at Valor. And we'll hope to see you, many of you, at least on Saturday afternoon at Arapahoe High School. We'll see you next week.
1: Cool.
3: That okay?
1: Hey, I'm Molly, and I'm the host of the Did That Age Well podcast. Each week, my guests and I recap and review movies from the past, and we talk about how they hold up. I'm joined by comedians, writers, friends, and podcasters to talk about the cringeworthy to the timeless classics. We break them all down and share some laughs as we do it. So find us at milehighlife.com or follow Did That Age Well wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Hey, everybody. It's Drew Goodman. Guess what? Like everybody else in America, I have a podcast. Actually, I've had it for four years. Download it at all of your favorite places you get podcasts. I have great guests. Guys like Ryan McMahon, Dan Issel, Hall of Famer-to-be Albert Puholtz, current Hall of Famer Larry Walker, Adam Schefter, and we kick around subjects locally, regionally, nationally. So download it and tell your friends. The Drew Goodman Podcast. Catchy name.